You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. things are happening that we cannot understand, we must remind ourselves that God hasn't finished the story yet. The story is still continuing. The glorious work that God completed on the cross. Now we as children must live by faith that all God has said he would do will happen. We must remind ourselves that we know the end of the story. The righteous will prevail. The righteous will triumph. Evil will be judged. And faith will be rewarded. What would you say is your common reaction to the rather grim parts of life? Do you respond with panic, distress, anxiety, or fear? Or do you take a moment to reflect on the goodness of God? In today's message, Pastor Dave will encourage to reflect on the promises of God and to remember that he's in full control of his story. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of Ruth chapter 1 as he begins his message, The Grass is Always Greener. If you open your Bibles to the book of Ruth, sandwiched in between Judges and 1 Samuel, is this wonderful book that seems to be misplaced. It's almost like reading the New Testament. It's a wonderful, wonderful book. A timeless story. It's a love story. It's a story of hope, a story of redemption. There's many, many interesting facts in the book that I hope to point out as we go through. Many, many think that this is a pastoral study, by the way. There's only two books in the Bible where a woman is the main character, the book of Ruth and the book of Esther. So this is the book of Ruth, and it is an historical account, and they believe it is written by the prophet Samuel. So... We're going to read that. And what I plan to do, I had planned to go a lot further today until I started studying, and so I started getting things around. And lo and behold, I didn't get much further than five verses. But um, I would like to read all 22 verses. I want to read it as a story. I want to read all 22 verses in this book, right, right in this first, first chapter. So if you will turn to Ruth chapter 1, let's read it as we would be reading a story. Verse 1, now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land. And a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to dwell in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech. The name of his wife was Naomi. And the names of his two sons were Malon and Chilion, Ephrodites of Bethlehem, Judah. And they went to the country of Moab and they remained there. Then Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left and her two sons. Now they took wives of the woman of Moab. The name of one was Orpha, and the name of the other, Ruth. And they dwelt there about ten years. Then both Malon and Chilion also died. So the woman survived her two sons and her husband. 
Then she arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return from the country of Moab. For she had heard in the country of Moab that the Lord had visited his people by giving them bread. Therefore she went out from the place where she was and her two daughters-in-law with her. And they went on the way to return to the land of Judah. And Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go, return to your mother's house. The Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find rest each in the house of her husband. So she kissed them, and they lifted up their voices and wept. And they said to her, Surely we will return to your people. But Naomi said, Turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Are there still sons in my womb that they may be your husbands? Turn back, my daughters. Go, for I am too old to have a husband. If I, should have, if I say I should have hope, and if I have a husband tonight, and should also bear sons, would you wait for them till they were grown? Would you restrain yourselves from having husbands? No, my daughters, for it grieves me very much for your sakes that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. Then they lifted up their voices and wept again. And Orpha kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. And she said, Look, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people, and her gods returned after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave you, or to turn back from following after you. For wherever you go... I will go. Wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more so also, if anything but death parts you from me. When she saw that she was determined to go with her, she stopped speaking to her. Now the two of them went until they came to Bethlehem, and it happened when they came to Bethlehem that all the city was excited because of them. And the woman said, "Is Naomi. But she said to them, Do not call me Naomi, but call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full, and the Lord has brought me home again empty. Why do you call me Naomi, since the Lord has testified against me, and the Almighty has afflicted me? So Naomi returned, and Ruth the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law, with her, who returned from the country of Moab. Now they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest. So, as we finished our last study... We said that the book of Judges was not the end of the story. God was not through writing his story. Notice in verse 1 it says, And it came to pass in the days of Judges' rule. In Hebrew, it reads, As it was. And it's interesting that there are six books in the Old Testament that begin this way. Joshua, Judges, Ruth, 2 Samuel, Esther, and Ezekiel. This tells us that God has not completed the story at this time. That the continuing story of God continues through the biblical text and ends at the end of the book of Revelation. We see that the last verse of the book of Judges said, in those days there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. When the outlook is grim and things are happening that we cannot understand, we must remind ourselves that God hasn't finished the story yet. The story is still continuing. The glorious work that God completed on the cross. Now we as children must live by faith that all God has said he would do will happen. We must remind ourselves that we know the end of the story. The righteous will prevail. The righteous will triumph. Evil will be judged. And faith will be rewarded. There is a glorious ending to this story. But it hasn't completed yet. So the story continues. And we read that it takes place during the time of Judges. Now it came to pass in the days when the Judges ruled. Remember, 
The time of judges was a time of anarchy, a time of apostasy, a time of civil war, a time of national disgrace for the nation Israel. And this love story that we're going to read about takes place in a very, very most decadent time. As I stated before, it's a love story set in the midst of horribleness. Today, look around you. We live in a horrible type of nation. We live in a nation that is under siege by evil. We see moral decay, the likes of most of us have never seen before. The likes this country has never seen before. We face difficulties of every kind. Each and every one of you in here, if we have a testimony night, which we will hear very shortly, can testify of the, the difficulty that you're going through or have been through. Every one of us. But God loves this lost world. And he's still seeking a pure bride. And when you know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, no matter how tough times may be, you are part of a beautiful love story. You are part of a beautiful love story, just like the love story of Ruth. So as we continue in verse 1, we see that there's a famine in the land. What's curious about this famine is these people lived in Bethlehem. Bethlehem is the house of bread. That's what Bethlehem means, house of bread. But yet there was a famine in the land. Why did this famine take place? Well, remember, it was the time of Judges. A very sad and sinful time in the nation. In the book of Deuteronomy, in the rehashing of the law, when Moses is rehashing the law, he says these things in Deuteronomy 13 through 17. And it shall be that if you earnestly obey my commandments, which I command you today, to love the Lord your God and serve him with all your heart and with all your soul, then I will give you the rain for your land in its season the early rain and the latter rain, that you may gather in your grain your new wine and your oil, and I will send grass in your fields for your livestock, that you may eat and be filled. Take heed to yourselves, lest your heart be deceived, and you turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. Lest the Lord's anger be aroused against you, and he shut up the heavens so that there will be no rain, and the land will yield no produce, and you perish quickly in the good land which the Lord has given you. So, why is there a famine? Because of what was happening during the time of the judges that we just studied. That horrible, horrible time. In Deuteronomy it says, God will provide the rain for the crops to grow. And if you, don't, if you sin against him, then he'll take it away. We read in 2 Chronicles 7, the Lord told his people that if they turned from him and served other gods, he would send famine into the land. This is what's happening. This is what's happening. It was interesting, as I was thinking about this and as I was contemplating on it and praying about this, Jesus said something along this line, not verbatim, but it was along this line. And as he was given the certain, in Matthew 6, he was telling us not to worry about what we eat, what we wear. He was telling us those things. And he said this very, very poignant thing in verse 33 of chapter 6. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added. And there he was talking about not to worry about what you eat, 
Not to worry about what you wear. Not to worry about these things. Don't worry. No need to worry about tomorrow because tomorrow is sufficient for its own. Don't worry about these things, but we worry. Jesus is talking about the very same thing. If you follow God's word, if you follow God's way, these things will be added to you. You will gain these things. Obviously, the judges, time of the judges, Israel didn't. We just went through that whole apostasy situation. But it's interesting. And as we finish verse 1, we meet the family. The family who is going to be the center of this story. A certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, who went to dwell in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech. The name of his wife, Naomi. The names of his two sons were Malon and Chilion. Ephrodites of Bethlehem, Judah. And they went to the country of Moab and remained there. Then Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she, left, and she was left and her two sons. Now they took wives of the women of Moab. The name of one was Orpha, and the name of the other was Ruth, and they dwelt there about ten years. Then both Mahlon and Chilion also died, so the woman survived her two sons and her husband. So the famine was intense, and a man by the name of Elimelech decided to take his family and move to a different country. What's interesting about this is in the original King James, it uses the word sojourn instead of dwell. Sojourn means you're just a visitor. Sojourn means you're going to be there for a little while and you're going to return. It appears that they were there a little longer than they wanted to stay because they stayed for 10 some odd years. It's interesting their names. Now let's look at their names. Elimelech means God is king. Naomi means pleasant. Malon means song. And his brother Chilion means satisfaction. So what do I get from that? They were a very happy family. A very, very happy. God is king. Pleasant. Song. Satisfaction. What more could you ask for? Remember, names were given for the times in which they lived. Names were given when, when something happened in their lives. It must have been a very, very happy family, and they were residing in the most beautiful city of Bethlehem. Who could ask for more? They were dwelling in the house of bread. It always makes us feel better. It always makes me feel better when I dwell in the house of the Lord, when I dwell in the house of bread, when I eat heavenly manna. When I eat heavenly manna and I'm blessed. David knew something about that. Listen to this. Blessed is the man who walks not the counsel of the ungodly or stands in the path of sinners, or sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth fruit in its season, whose leaves shall also not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. Sounds like a happy guy. Dwelling in the house of the Lord, dwelling in the house of manna. Right below Jerusalem, very, very short distance is the town of Bethlehem. The town of Bethlehem is very, very close to Jerusalem. Now, they had to go up around Jericho, pass over Jericho, and come down into Moab. They had to travel some 50 miles. They had to hike through the desolate Jericho Pass, through the Judean wilderness near the Dead Sea. They had to cross the Jordan River into the land of Moab. They were departing from the promised land. 
The land that God had given their forefathers, they decided that wasn't good enough and they were going to leave the abundant life and go someplace else. They returned to the wilderness. Many, many times in my Christian life, I've returned to the wilderness. And it isn't a pleasant thing. Sometimes I'm in the wilderness and I feel like I carved my initials on a cactus. And then when I come back around, the cactus has grown and my initials are way up there. And I said, have I been in here this long? Sometimes I like the wilderness. Sometimes we feel comfortable in the wilderness until the stingrays come, I mean the, uh, the scorpions come out. But God had delivered them from the wilderness hundreds of years before. They were going in the wrong direction. They were going backwards. They were going in the wrong direction. They were running to God. They were running away from God. Instead of allowing God to purify them and help them in the midst of a famine and seek his face, they ran away to a foreign country. Number one, the country did not know God. The country did not want, not want to know God. The country wanted nothing to do with their God. They worshiped idols. Think about your life. Do you do the same thing? In times of trouble, do you seek God or do you run away? In times of trouble, is God the first person you seek? Or do you hit the internet to find out what's wrong first? Do you pray first or do you wait till somebody says, let's pray, and you go, has it come to that? How do you act? In times of affliction, in times of well, do you seek the quick fix? This drug's going to help me get through it. I can get through it with just this little pill. I can get through it. I can stop anytime I want to. I can control it. I just need to get over the hump. That's all. You know, I need a little booze every now and then just to cut the edge. Plus a little toke. You know, I need that. I can stop anytime I want. I have control over it. I just need to borrow a little bit more money and then I can pay my bills. I know I'm in debt way over my head, but I need to borrow a little more money to pay my bills. My wife doesn't understand me. My wife just doesn't understand me. But you know, there's a lady at work who likes to listen to me when I talk, and we're just friends. We're just having conversation. We're just friends. We look everywhere we need to look for security. We look everywhere we need to look for help except the place we need to look. And that's God. We don't look at him first. That's why we read the word. Because if we were students for the word, of the word, which you are, I know you are, we would know that Psalm 46 verse 1 said, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, I will not fear. We go everywhere but him. What made this decision wrong? He didn't put his faith in God. He didn't put his faith in God. He was walking by sight and not by faith. He was walking by what he sees and not by faith. He was going by the physical and not the spiritual. Now, how do we walk by faith? We need to claim the promises of God by being obedient to his word in spite of the difficulty, in spite of how you feel, in spite of what you see, in spite of what happens. No buts. Ever talk to somebody? You really need to have God in your life. Yeah, but. No, no, no. As soon as they say yeah, but, it's no. 
no matter how difficult a circumstances may be, and I am never, ever trying to minimize a circumstance, please, I don't do that, because they're tough and they're rough and they hurt. But no matter how difficult a circumstance may be, the best place to be is in the will of God. Elimelech left. When we live by faith, God is glorified, and there's a witness that goes forth for all to see. We studied in Romans chapter 1, verse 17, the just shall live by faith. We live by faith. When we refuse to trust in God, guess what? You're calling him a liar. When you refuse to trust in God, you're calling him a liar, and you dishonor him because you're not believing in his word. Elimelech was majoring on the physical and not the spiritual. Yes, he wanted to provide for his family, but not at the expense of losing God's blessing. I want to provide for my family too. But if my family was destitute, I wouldn't go out and rob a bank. Satan met Jesus in the wilderness, and his first temptation was to suggest that Jesus satisfy his hunger rather than please God the Father. You know what Jesus said? Man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. Satan would say, but you have to live. I've got to live. But the word of God says, in Christ, we live and have our being. We live and have our being in Christ. Look at Acts 17, 28. David knew this in Psalm 37, verse 25. Paul knew this in Acts 20, 24. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. So why do we try? Why do we run away? Elimelech abandoned God's plan for their lives and he moves 50 miles away from Bethlehem to Moab. The Moabites, what do we know about the Moabites? Well, you should know that they are the people, the descendants of the child that was born out of incest with Lot's eldest daughter. You know the story. They had just fled Sodom. Sodom was destroyed by fire and brimstone. Mom became a salt lick in the desert. Kind of humorous. It wasn't, you know. The girls get up there and they go, gee, there's nobody here to perpetuate the family. We're, there's nobody here. So let's get dad drunk. They get dad drunk and they have sex with him. And they become pregnant, both of them. And from them, from their children, you have the Moabites and the Ammonites, two of the biggest enemies of Israel ever. They were enemies. Remember when we studied, studied Judges 3? It was the Moabites that invaded Israel and they ruled over the people for 18 years. They came in and did horrible things to the people. They worshiped idols. And here, Abimelech is leading the comforts of God, leaving. He's only a walking distance to the temple of Jerusalem and he's going to Moab, a foreign country. God disdained the Moabites. You know what God called them in Psalm 60? He calls them a wash pot. You can translate it as toilet towel. You wash the feet of the conquering soldiers. God disdained the Moabites. See, for every decision we make, there are inevitable consequences. You are sure. 
We'd love to keep studying the Word of God with you, but that's all the time we have for today on Assure Hope. We'd like to invite you to learn more about this program by visiting our website, assurehoperadio.com. There, you'll find our archive of previous messages from Pastor Dave Shank, available to listen to or even share with your friends and family. You can explore more of this series in the Book of Ruth or other books in the Bible. Each one gives unique insight into God's plan for you and this world you live in. If you're looking for a church family and happen to be in the Cape May area, we'd love to have you join us for a time of worship and Bible study right here at Calvary Chapel, Cape May. We meet weekly on Sunday at 10 a.m., and you can find all the information you need by visiting assurehoperadio.com. We are gathering in person, but we understand if you're not comfortable with that yet. Instead, you can join us for church online through Facebook Live. Just follow the link at assurehoperadio.com. While you're there, don't forget to like our page so you can stay up to date with all the latest information about Calvary Chapel Cape May and Assure Hope. With that, our time with you has come to an end today. Thanks for being a part of our listening audience. Know that we're praying for you each time you tune in. Would you join us in praying for your fellow listeners too? Pray that ears and hearts would be open to the truth and that lives would be changed. Thanks for praying and thanks for tuning in for today's edition of Assure Hope.